somewhere. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, bear with me. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Our first uh, panelist today on step 11 is David H. He is from the DTNG AA group in Broomfield, Colorado. Please help me welcome David. Everybody, I'm David. I'm an alcoholic. My home group's the Denver Thursday Night Group, <clears throat> and um, I have been continuously sober since September 20th, 1984. I was 31 years old when I came into the program, and in February of this year, I turned 60. So I've really grown up in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, or at least I got older. Um, I have a sponsor. He attends the Denver Thursday night group. Uh, his name's Mickey. It's nice to have my sponsor at my home group because uh, we get a chance to see how we're doing. And, uh, and I also try to call him. He's, uh, he really encourages me in a very gentle way to be very faithful and consistent about the 10th step. He's a lot better at listening to him than I am at uh, making them. And uh, I'm real appreciative for that uh, ability to be able to share that stuff. I really think it's helpful to, uh, to share that, and especially with one person. Uh, my experience with that is it's very easy to share with a bunch of different people, and nobody ever gets to know you. Um, so I'm grateful for that. The 11th step, um, I'm going to tell you a story about me and my current sponsor, Mickey, around the 11th step. But before I do that... I want to read the 11th step. It's pretty short. It's simple, and yet I believe it's profound. And yet, uh, like the big book says, simple but not easy. It means the total destruction of self-centeredness. And man, if you want to jumpstart that destruction of self-centeredness, um, the 11th step is a great place to practice that. Okay. Uh, Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. Man, if you want some knowledge and power, might as well go to the source of it, right? If you have carefully followed directions, you've begun to sense this flow of his spirit. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. And it's really interesting because it seems like most of the 11-step meetings I go to were extremely shy about sharing about what my prayer life or my meditation life looks like. And how are they going to know if we don't share our experience, strength, and hope? <clears throat> Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we, if we have the proper attitude. 
And by this time, we know what the proper attitude is because we've worked the steps, right? The proper attitude is we're not thinking about ourselves all the time. The proper attitude and work at it. It would be very easy to be vague about this matter. Yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, so they start off by telling us what to do when we go to bed. We constructively review our day. I used to destructively review my day. And let me tell you, it makes it very hard to get to sleep. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time, only when I'm awake? (laughs) Or were we thinking of others? And what we could do, were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? We must be careful. Oh, by the way, it occurred to me about five years ago, what they're asking us in those questions, that series of questions is, were you faithful with your 10th step? Those are the exact same questions that the 10th step asks us to keep aware. That we are aware, keep in mind, when we are being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or fearful. When these things crop up, we ask God to remove them at once. We talk to someone about it immediately. We make amends if necessary. And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help which is exactly the questions they just ask us. Did you do that? Are you current with your 10th step? We must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. So if I'm sitting around beating myself over the head with a bat, saying what a rotten person I am, I'm never going to, I'm 28 plus years sober, I'm never going to get this problem, I'm going to get a crummy night's sleep and I'm going to be useless to anybody else. And the purpose of this is to bring me closer to God, I believe it's that simple, and not to beat myself up. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. Okay, now the very next thing says on awakening, and so I assume that means I should have got a pretty good night's sleep from the end of that last sentence until I wake up in the morning. And truthfully, I will tell you that with very few and rare occasions, I have slept really well since I sobered up. And and I think this is part of it. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. We've just been given permission to plan. Sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. But here they tell us it's okay to make plans. When I first sobered up in Victoria, Texas, one of the things they said was, it's okay to plan a fishing trip. Just don't plan to bring a boatload of fish home with you. And so the difference is, this is what I intend to do, but I'll leave those results to God. That makes sense for me, and it makes sense in context of what I'm reading here. For me, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, asking to have myself removed from this prayer life and this thought life, 
it says we can employ our mental faculties. We are now capable of thinking if I've eliminated that most destructive element, and believe me, I haven't. I mean, it's a daily struggle to be able to do this. That's why these directions are so important. I can begin to, we can begin to employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And I think wrong motives in this context, as I understand it, is simply, am I thinking about you or am I thinking about God and what I can do for others? Um, my, I saw a friend of mine at a meeting the other night and he said, this is so weird, David. I woke up this morning thinking about you. And I said, that is weird. I woke up this morning thinking about me. And, uh, and that's true every morning. And that's why um, I may or may not have this book by my bedside, but I always have a card and something that I typed up to give the specific directions for the 11th step so that I can grab it. Because generally my prayer goes something like this, Dear God, so far today I have not experienced selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, or fear, but in a minute I'll have to get out of this bed, and I am going to need all the help I can get. And that's what it's like for me almost every single morning. The story I was going to tell you was about 15 years ago, I'd had a new sponsor, Mickey, and that was a series of just wonderful experiences that led to that and we had agreed to meet for lunch one day and uh, I have been a daily meditator for uh, almost 25 years now I as a as an employee benefit of a guy I work for I was trained in a certain technique of meditation and uh, it, that, that practice asked for 20 minutes twice a day and I've been doing that very faithfully not always twice a day but very faithfully uh, for the last 25 years. And I had picked up a book that I was reading called The Cloud of Unknowing. And The Cloud of Unknowing is a book by an anonymous, apparently monk, who describes the practice of uh, contemplative meditation in the Middle, Middle Ages. Very complicated book. I have a degree in philosophy and religious studies, and I've read some very complicated people, and it gave me the idea that I knew I could trust my own thinking, which was a lie, but... Anyway, I'm reading this book, and I can't make head or tails of it. Mickey and I agree to meet for lunch, and I'm telling him about this book that I'm reading. And somehow I've got myself convinced during this process that uh, AA is okay for beginner spirituality, but, you know, you really need to be reading these books you can't understand. And, uh, and Mickey looked at me, and his eyes were getting bigger and bigger as I was describing my current spiritual practice, and he said, David, are you following the directions for the 11th step, the way they're written down in our big book? And my first thought was kind of, poor Mickey, you know. <laughs> I want to tell you that for the last 15 years, I have kept those directions by my side. I will also tell you that, that I got rid of that book. Uh, it's still in, at my house, and one day I might understand it, but it's not this day. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Next we have Marie M. Marie is uh, from Park Hill AFG. She is from Denver, Colorado. Please help me welcome Marie. Hi, my name is Marie, and I'm a very, very grateful Al-Anon. Um, I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor. I think that's really, really important. Um, I have been continually going to meetings. I can't say I've been continually serene for the last uh, lot of years, but I've been going since February 22nd of 1974. And um, my recovery has been uh, kind of like a roller coaster. And that's fine with me. So long as there are some ups, I don't mind the downs. Um, this is just my opinion. So, you know, if you don't agree, that's absolutely fine. Um, I believe that oftentimes the steps are to keep us busy while God heals us. It's not to diminish the necessity and the importance of the steps because the steps are uh, essential for our recovery. But um, oftentimes we, we can get into a practice of you know, you do it this way, and you do it at this time, and you, do, you know, and we start worshiping the process. And I found that God is a whole lot nicer than that. Um, he uh, He has trained me by daily crises and daily blessings, and <clears throat> to my mind. The uh, 10th and 11th and 12th steps are to develop the spiritual muscle. And I believe, again, this is just my belief, I believe that we're here to become closer to God. And so the spiritual muscle is to continue the conversation that we have as long as we're awake and the big book only gives us two times when it insists on we do when we uh, the, what we do uh, to communicate with our God. Um, dry mouth. Um, and but I really believe that that we are at least I feel I am being asked to continually pray. And when I, what I mean by that is that I'm continually talking to my partner, who is God. God is my partner. He's like the smart one. So I need to ask him, you know, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And if I don't quite know how to do it, he'll let me know how to do it. If I'm not strong enough to do it, he'll give me the power to do it. So, so I'm trying to go for continual communication with my higher power. I don't do it, okay? But I definitely uh, have been building the spiritual muscle of the 10th step, the ten step during the day, the 11th step at night, and the 11th step in the morning. And one of the things that really helps me is that my husband and I do the 11th step at night together. Before we put our head on the pillow and say, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do the 11th step, aren't I? We do it usually in the living room and he just he says the questions we do it silently and it's it's really uh it's a nice practice because 
Uh, it's a, more of a discipline for both of us. We don't forget it. Uh, and and it's, it's, there's something about doing things together that, you know, one time I went to a, um, a wedding in uh, Taos and the, the guy, uh, he was an AA, he got up and he, he was doing a homily and he said, and it just, I mean, it just really hit me. He said a two by four, and I don't know exactly the numbers, a two by four can hold 200 pounds of weight. And then another two by four can hold another 200 pounds of weight. And you put the two together and it can hold like a thousand pounds of weight. And so doing things together, you know, whether it's with your sponsor, whether it's with just a 10 step partner, whether it's with your spouse or your, your partner, whatever it is, together there is something about the strength and the, the unity that that just gives us so much more power. Um, but God, in the end, God is the one who's healing us. And I, the reason I say that I don't think that, that the process of just doing each of these things in the program, working the program, is where the healing comes is that I have probably learned more from the things I've messed up when I've not done something. Uh, probably a couple weeks ago, um, we decided that we were just going to kind of take a day off and we were going to go out for a really early morning walk. And usually we pray and we meditate. We sing the Psalms and we meditate for usually 15 minutes. and and. Uh, we were going to go out for a walk instead, right? And the day started deteriorating. And that communication and that, that commitment to the connection with God is so important that our whole spirit needs it. And, and it can be, you know, we didn't do it for a long time. I didn't do meditation for, I, and I said I did prayer, but my prayers were all, oh my God, I screwed up. You know, help me. And, and it would be that intermittent screw up that I would start praying again. And, and then we were blessed with some people in our lives who kind of insisted on, um, our prayer and meditation in the morning and so that's been going on for a long time and it's uh, it's a commitment and it's like exercise which I don't do very well but I but it's it's a spiritual exercise so you don't exercise for five hours each month one time a month you know it just doesn't work um, you can really do with 15, 20, 30 minutes each day if you're continuous about it, if you're really committed to it. So anyway, um, this is, um, all I can say is this is so important. And if you're not doing some sort of practice, and I don't know that, that it really matters a whole lot um, what practice you're doing. But if you're committing to doing it, what you're doing is you're saying to God, you are the most important thing in my life. 
And so I will, I will do something each day to bring something to the relationship between you and I. And that very fact, you know, if you do five minutes a day or if you stand on your head and say, you know, this is the greatest prayer in the world, it doesn't matter, but you're, you're committing to your higher power. That's what we need to do. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Next is Mel F. Mel is from Saturday Step Study AA in Littleton, Colorado. Thank you. My sobriety date is November, oh, I'm looking at the rain, wow, um, November 3rd, 1985. Um, my home group is Saturday Step, and this is my first time in Fox. I've never been up here before, and uh, I am having a spiritual experience. This is awesome. I'm also crammed into a two-bedroom um, condo with eight women, also seeking serenity and sobriety. Um, it's been great. It's really been a learning experience. Um, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, first of all, I've always been a seeker. Um, I've always had that alcoholic disquietness, emptiness, didn't fit in inside myself. So I always sought something. Um, I was even a product of, some of you might have heard of Est, where they locked you in the room and, you know, yeah. No, it's a, it's a long time ago. I think they call it something different now. But I was looking for peace. And I was looking for a power that I knew was out there some, somewhere, but that did not really apply to me. So I didn't really know how to pray. And I didn't know how to meditate. I didn't know how to be quiet. And I'm still learning that to a great degree. I will have to be honest about that. Um, so if I don't have a power that I believe in, and I don't know how to pray, and I can't get quiet and meditate, I'm certainly not asking, you know, what anybody's will is for me and any power to carry that out. I'm a steamroller. And uh, that's kind of how I went through, through life. So now what they did tell me, my marching orders when I first came into AA was to read um, 84, 85, 86. So upon awakening... Um, I'm asking God, and I didn't really believe this when I started it, um, to help me. And what what I have today is it's called, um, they say in there, my thought life. My thought life was always fear-based. My thought life was always, how am I going to make it through this day? My thought life was very um, unpleasant. So today, um, but this I shouldn't say today, the process where I am today is beautiful and it's wonderful and I have certain practices that I do because of the discipline of this program because they told me it's about self-discipline because you are undisciplined we let God discipline us so it's been a process for me through the years in my sobriety to try to learn how how to pray how to meditate how to ask for God's will for me and the power to carry that out I love that today um, I am a powerful woman. I'm a powerful woman of God. And I can do His will. I can do His work. And that, to me, is, uh, it fills my heart with joy. 
you know, it just makes, makes me feel like I have a purpose and I belong in this world and I fit where I never did before. Um, but that was born, you know, this whole process for me was born out of a lot of pain, um, a lot of trying to talk to God and um, asking him to hear me. And what I know, I believe I know now, is um, in my prayer, it's not for God. It is for me to hear me asking God to help me. He already knows I'm asking him to, to be with me. He already knows I'm asking him to direct my thinking. I need him to do that. So, I lost my train of thought. Okay. The power to carry out God's will and to know what that is um, was and is at times still very, very difficult. In the beginning, I knew that his will for me was certainly not to drink anymore and drug anymore and hurt other people anymore. I certainly knew that was his will for me. I didn't know how to go about being um, kind to myself. I didn't know how to go about being loving to myself. Um, I could see other people, and, and this is what I believed. God got to me through the back door. I tried to learn that God loved all of you. And I watched people change and transform in this program due to their conscious contact with God. And I thought, he loves you. And very, very slippery and sly, my God, came in through the back door. And I realized that he loves me too. As he was teaching me that he loved you and I could love you, I could also love myself. This is one of the, the products of um, staying in prayer and meditation, that I can be quiet with myself today and ask, what should I be doing for you? You know, instead of waking up with fear. Um, I do wake up and I do do this every day. I wake up and when my eyes open, I say, God could and would if he was sought. I seek you now. Um, I have to latch on to him, you know, and if my foot is getting out of the bed before I have thought that thought, I will think that. So I don't leave my bed without God. Um, and then I have some quiet time with God. Um, and so I can get into that God consciousness and that thought life. And I try to go about my day um, being of service. I pray a lot during the day. I talk to God in my prayer. It's not just the morning or it's not just the night. Um, God is with me all the time. Today, God is with me all the time. And I fumbled, and uh, it was bloody, and it was messy uh, trying to get to this point, you know. Um, I begged God for a lot of things, and today I can talk with God. And it's usually about um, purpose in this life and me being of service and helping other people. I have a very contented life today um, because I've allowed God in into my life. Um, like I said, I think this to me is a very meaty step. It's a huge step. Um, and it was hard for me. It was very difficult. There's so many aspects of it that um, I didn't know how to employ in my life. And I, I guess I want to say if there's anybody here that's new and that's struggling, um, my head was so busy and I didn't know how to get quiet. And I, sometimes I still don't. Pull out the vacuum cleaner and vacuum. And I'm not kidding. There's like a hum to it. And as you're kind of 
vacuum in, your head gets a little quieter, and you can kind of hear the thoughts coming in from God, maybe. Um, I want to tell you about um, God in my life, and my God consciousness, and asking him to be with me every day, even when, uh, through the dark times, that I didn't believe it. Um, it was about it was about seven years ago, and I was in a I was in a real clinical depression, and I was going down um, pretty fast. And I, I just had a uh, hysterectomy, and uh, we are it's urgent hysterectomy. And I was, uh, was in Mexico with my family that was already planned, and I was walking along the beach, and um, I was trying to smile, you know, because I didn't want my family to know how bad things were, because I couldn't touch God. I couldn't feel him with me, and it was scary, and it was dark, and um, I was, I walked along the beach, and I said to him, I don't even know if I should be here anymore. Um, I can't feel you. I can't touch you. I don't know what my purpose is, and I looked down, and I saw my footprints, and I was reminded of that poem, you know, I have not abandoned you, you know, through the dark times, I carried you, and uh, I believe that today. Um, God is in my life and God carries me um, I guess that's it that's all I have thanks next we have Mike M from Full Measures AA Cedar Rapids, Iowa please help me welcome him Mike, I'm alcoholic, and <laughs> oh, man, it's good to be here um, with my family. Uh, I love this conference, and uh, I'm, I'm humbled to be here with with the people on this panel. And, and I mean that. That's not podium talk. I. Uh, have learned through the disciplines of this program a, a lot, and I have come to respect people who seem to really go at it, you know, and um, offer me some hope. Thanks for reading some of the stuff you did. I uh, a couple things with, with the mechanics. One of them is I, I really got lit up with this stuff at about three years. I started working with a guy from Denver, uh, Don P, and, and he took me through this work. And um, I started answering a, one of the questions in the 11th step, and it kind of troubled me because it was it was around the question of were you kind and loving toward all, and I was answering yes. And this went on for a long time, and I began to wonder if I had not slipped into some kind of delusion around my life and the questions because it's impossible for me to go that length of time without causing harm and uh don said well mike what are you what are you looking at when you're asking yourself that question and so i'm looking at my actions right because your AA teaches us to look at our actions and don giggled with that little giggle that he had and and he said well why don't you bring that into your inner life into your thought life I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that, uh, that makes it a little bit different. See, because I can treat you nice, and, and my head still want to take you out behind the woodshed. So I got to experience this thing in a whole nother way. 
with that. And another thing that I was reminded of when David was reading and, and, and the last lick gal here was, was this thing upon awakening. And I had an experience when Erica and I first moved in together. She had this, um, uh, I don't know, Chance was five or something at the time. I he was in school and we woke up late one morning and uh, the, we switched giving rides to school and we were in a hurry. I didn't have time to invite God. I just, I jumped up out of bed. I had about 10 minutes to get his lunch pack, get him dressed, get him ready for school and all this. So I jump out of bed and I'm in a fluster and I wake Chance up and uh, my energy is um, off and it's scaring this little guy. And, uh, so I get him dressed and I, I get his lunch packed and, and I get his little backpack ready and, and the ride comes and, and he takes off running for the screen door and he forgets his lunch bucket and I yell at him to come back and get his lunch bucket and he's really flustered and he, he comes back and he gets his lunch bucket and And he dropped his backpack <laughs> and he took off with his lunch bucket. <laughs> Got it. And uh, I really yelled at him then. And uh, I didn't know, I didn't know what, uh, what I had done to that little guy until he turned around and. Um, when he closed the screen door, he was sobbing. And, uh, you know, that's not real high drama or anything, but when I got 12-stepped into Alcoholics Anonymous, I sat across the table from the guy that was working with me, and I told him that I didn't ever want to hurt anybody again. And I meant it. And here I had just uh, brought some some harm into this little guy's life that didn't have it coming. He didn't deserve to be treated that way that morning, right? So sometimes the result of not doing the on awakening from that day to this, I have not, not missed that. I have made that commitment. And Don talked to me about that too. He said, Mike, why would you want to wait till you're on your way to work or something when the people that you're interacting with right away in your life is the people you love the most in your own home? When we say on awakening, we mean on awakening. He said, if you're not demonstrating this in your home, you're not doing AA, call it something else. And he got my attention. And uh, so sometimes I'm, I'm brought back to the 11th step because, you know, I, I go to sleep in my 10th step, I suspect, like most everybody in this room. And we have the, the 11th step to catch us with that at night, but sometimes I go asleep to that too. And as a result of that, um, I'm brought back to these disciplines because of some pain that I'm experiencing in my life, right? There's an, a piece of writing in, an, in another book of ours, I think, that says that, that Wilson says pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth. And, um, you know, I, I have uh, come to experience and believe today that that does not always have to be the case. And I would, ask, you know, if you want to consider this, not, I was in a meeting last night and I was, said something about 
how we go and think about things. And if I'm going and think about something, I'm just rearranging my prejudices to support an old idea I have about something. But rather that I sit with things from a place of consideration, from prayerful consideration. And what I've come to experience in Alcoholics Anonymous is exactly what is promised to us in our big book, that we will be inspired. In fact, it says that we come to rely on that. And you can hurry up and believe that this conference and the men and women here and around the country that do the work in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous continue to inspire me to greater heights. I don't have to have my ass fall off to have spiritual growth in my life, and neither do you. We can be inspired here to greater heights. Now, it also says that we're not going to be inspired at all times. All right, so we get to experience both sides of that. I would much rather today take the avenue of inspiration. I have come to rely on that. It is part of my conscious awareness. I expect that. I expect God to work in my life in that way. And the, uh, the, the real love I have for the 11th step is the freedom that we're allowed here to go explore. God, I love that, man. Go explore. And I have. I've went, uh, I'll get a notion or an idea and I'll go find a teacher. And that's taken me to South Dakota to the Rosebud Reservation where I've spent a long time with a Lakota elder. And it's taken me back to the church that I grew up in and I've spent some time there. And uh, it's taken me to people in Alcoholics Anonymous that I have a lot of respect for. Um, it's taken me to the monastery where I used to go up there quite often. We have a Trappist monastery. Tom's been there about an hour from Cedar Rapids. And um, I used to go up there a lot. And I'd go sit with this old boy that had been in there 68 years. And now here's a guy who had not watched a TV, read a newspaper, listened to a radio in 68 years. He had devoted his life to his work and prayer in that monastery. I loved the energy behind him. I've met a few other people in my life that carried that same energy. And we would talk about stuff. Mostly, we'd talk, and then he'd get up and go do stuff, and he'd come back with a page that he copied out of a book with Merton or Goldsmith or some other usually Christian mystic stuff, which is why I think I was attracted to him, because I kind of dig that stuff. And... um, we would talk about that stuff. And he knew about Alcoholics Anonymous to a, a level that really kind of floored me. And he said something one day that did floor me. He said that if if you're really doing the work, he didn't put it that way. He said if you're living the life that is described in your book that we've been talking about, he said that we're doing, you are doing the exact same thing that we are in here. He said the circumstances of our lives are quite different, but the purpose is exactly the same. That we are going out in our lives from a place of conscious contact and union with God doing our work. And I thought that was incredible. That just really, really kind of floored me that that guy would say that. But um, I don't really have anything else. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for uh, listening.
thank you to the panelists. Now we'll open the microphone for sharing on step 11. Thank you. Well, we could all sit here in prayer. My name is Terry. I'm an alcoholic. Um, 2008 is when I got sober. So just a little time. Um, I just noticed something when I was listening to everybody. And uh, I always wondered why on 84, 86, through that section, it was always at night we retire. And, in the, and then it was awakening was the second step of that. And it didn't hit me till now that retiring is 10 and awakening is 11. And I didn't have anything else to share with that but I thought I'm always wondering why God does what he does and he puts things in order and then as I'm open to it I become aware and I just thought I wanted to share that I didn't know if anybody had ever known that maybe it's I'm just taking a little while to figure that out but there's a lot of things in the big book I go why would why would they say that and why use that word and you know um I try to I try to take it on blind faith because of the grace that has been extended to me through this program, that God knows what he's doing. And every word in that book is with intention and everything. Now I just get to be that person that follows along and figures it out. And hopefully, you know, I'll have some experience go on for quite a few years from now. And, but I love the fact that I'm here and everybody's done this just 24 hours, just within 24 hours, you know, and every day, and every time I went to my sponsor, it was just me having those 24 hours. But another 24 hours today, and I learned a lot. So thank you. Hello, my name is Jim. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, thanks, everybody on the panel. Very helpful for me today. Um, and a couple things I heard uh, was... Um, practice to uh, develop that spiritual muscle I think Marie and inspiration and um, I followed the template in there when I was newer for like five six years straight because I needed to develop uh, I mean you guys tricked me into a life of prayer I went to 90 meetings in 90 days I didn't really get much, but I did 180 prayers. Turned me 180 degrees toward the steps. But um, now when I'm, I mean, I've done like what Mike was talking about. I got a teacher. I don't know if you call him a professional teacher or not, but I went to the monastery and learned how to do silent prayer. And I do it with my nightly review um, and I've lived with that question was I love loving and kind toward all and I think I said yes just because I wanted approval from my higher power but I mean if you look at, if you sit with that stuff long enough something starts to seep in the inner life 
to crack that boundary around my heart. It's like changing the tattoo from selfishness to others. Um, and what happened to me, I was, and, and in the, in the, when I wake up in the morning, I'll write down a list. I got to write down stuff because I, my memory's not that great. And Joe told me to get a day timer. I said, what's that? So we went to the store together and got a day timer. And I started writing a list and that, and then somebody told me to write, uh, thy will be done next to each plan and I would also plan the stuff I'm struggling with like I have I still have difficulty with honesty and money so I would write honesty with money I will be done and then you know go to work call this person go to this meeting get together I will be done I my hand started to hurt after a while so I just write the initials TWDB. Um, and then when I would, um, and then I started to see where thy will was being done in these different things without me really trying to manipulate or think about it. It's because it comes from the, it comes from some inner mind that I'm not always aware of. But anyways, what was happening when I was looking at that question, was I loving and kind toward all? I had been through, I had just gotten through divorce sober. I was, I got married sober, divorced sober. And my kids, I could see, were really hurt and bad. And the only thing I could think of is every time I'm around my kids and my former wife, by the way, my sponsor said, never say X. My former wife, I would show warmth whether I didn't want to or not. I know you're not supposed to fake it till you make it, but it was kind of that. I got this message, I'm supposed to show warmth, a little soft hug, maybe it was a distant hug, or a little peck on the cheek, I just kept doing that. And the weirdest thing happened, she started to warm up. Our heart, mom and dad's heart healed and the kids saw it. And this all came from this practice which is practice is like learning to do repetitive actions to improve that conscious contact, that spiritual muscle. And then love and kindness manifests in ways that you can't even imagine. So I highly recommend it. It'll improve all your other steps. That's all things. Hi, I'm Ken. I'm an alcoholic. No, thank you very much, members of the panel. Um, the 11th step has been absolutely huge for me, and, and not necessarily just the mechanics of it. I mean, I understand, like Marie said, the importance of the mechanics. I like to focus, and Mike touched on it, the part about sought to improve. You know, like you said, I've been a seeker. Um, I used to drink and read spiritual books. You know, I knew there was something wrong with me. And I knew the answers were out there. My problem is I never did anything that these different spiritual ways of life said. Um, you know, I was uh, thinking a couple years ago, I was reading uh, Bill Wilson, one of his writings, and he said, AA is spiritual kindergarten. Okay, that's interesting. Kindergarten, the basic step of education. Now, that leads me to believe in my mind that perhaps there's more work to be done. 
okay, if I wish to improve besides the mechanics. That's just to get me to a conscious contact. You know what? Step 10 says we've entered the realm, entered. I, I've got my, my toes through the door. I need to do more. So what I started doing was when I started to meet people that I felt a connection with, um, dude, what, what, do you, what do you do? What do you read? What books have touched your life? Because while the ego loves knowledge, knowledge properly applied can be transformational, okay? And I read books of people, uh, I, I'll say it out loud, Peter M. told me recommended a book, and I read it, and it did nothing for me. Was it wasted? Absolutely not. I know that's not me, okay? So I kept asking, you know, what does God want me to do? What is, what is God? I don't know. Just last year, I started a master's program in pastoral studies, right, for me. You know, and people, what are you going to do with it? Don't know. I have a hunger, and there's more to be learned. You know, and it's funny, in our society, um, and I hear it in my, my meetings so often, you know, well, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, right? That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Tell me about your spiritual practice. I ask God to keep me sober. Okay, you're 13 years sober. What have you done in the last 13 years to improve your conscious contact? Well, I'm not religious. Okay. Dude, there's other things out there. Ask. Seek. Be active in your recovery. Be active in your relationship with God. There is a myriad of things out there that work for different people, right? And it can even be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But fine, participate in your relationship with God. And the last thing I'll say, because I love this story, I was talking to a guy in my own group who wasn't spiritual. He, he was religious. He said, I'm a Buddhist. I'm like, wow, that, that's cool. We don't have a lot of those in Montgomery. And uh, I went to high school in Singapore. I take an Asian religions one and two. I know quite a bit about Buddhism. I said, really? Okay, you're, you're Buddhist, okay. I said, tell me about your practices. And he said, well, I'm a vegetarian and I do hot yoga at the Y. <laughs> All right? And I'm like, okay, dude, one's a diet and the other's an exercise. Okay? I'm just telling you, that's not a spiritual or religious practice. It, it, it's good, you know, body, mind, spirit. But that is not a spiritual practice. So if, if you're struggling on this, what is spirituality? There's all sorts of things. Ask people that have what you want, what they do. And it may not work for you, but then ask the next person and ask the next person. And if you seek, God will meet you more than halfway. Thank you. Well, I'm Bob Jay from Denver. I'm a member of Al-Anon for about since 2004 or something like that. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. I've been here in a few years. Uh, what I wanted to share is um, about reactivity. I have a tremendous challenge in my life of just being reactive, and so I'd like to let God in and direct my life. But the reactivity is so powerful that many times I just don't do what I want to do or I don't let him in. And uh, this came from when I was very young. My uh, dad was an alcoholic and uh, traveled all the time. And my mom was a childhood alcoholic and a mega control freak. And I just didn't get the love that I needed. I grew up with, with little love. I think they loved me as much as they could. But I grew up with little love um, as a young person, as a very young person. And I became aware, I lived in a very um, kind of an affluent area that personal achievement was really what it was all about. So I just drove myself to be uh, an achiever. And um, it's, it's almost an obsession, really, for me. As an Al-Anon, one of my clients is um, 
AA member, and he said that I'm the ultimate control freak. And uh, he just laughed about it because it's a joke, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of true. But uh, what I've learned is in my morning and afternoon meditation, I'm just very restricted to always get them in, that at those times I can pray about what God's will is for me, what he wants me to do, like which people he wants me to see, who he wants me to call at work, what projects I should prioritize, what things I should do, uh, how I should love my wife, how I should work on that. I, I find it many times challenging to be all that I could be because I'm distracted by my personal achievement mindset. Uh, but I find that through the time of the meditation, he does get through. He does give me the light, the grace, the power to um, write down what I need to do, how I need to love Maria, how I need to be a good dad and a good and, and then do his. I have so many things to do at work. What ones should I do? What should I not do? What am I trying to avoid? What I'm not trying to avoid? And which ones I should do? And, and the toughest ones, which kind of comes down to the third step here of. of giving my life as a sacrifice for him. And I do this for him. I don't do it for myself. But he makes it clear. He breaks through my reactivity. And it, uh, it works. Just wanted to share that. Thanks, Earl. Afternoon, everybody. I'm Kevin Jurdy, uh, one of the two people from um, Maryland. Uh, alcoholic, sobriety day, 2000, um, August 11, 2005. And I belong to 40 West in Baltimore. We'd love to see you on Sunday night. Um, how much time do we have? You have three minutes. Awesome. I hopefully won't use it all. Um, somewhat, I don't even know what I'm here to say so much. I, I thought the, uh, the prayerful bit was, was incredibly cogent. Um, I loved what I heard. Um, someone once said, and, and, and it really resonated with me, that that this is an extremely personal stuff. Um, and I don't know what other people need to do. You know, um, That's what I, I love about the institution I sponsor. I, I come in and don't tell the adolescents uh, what to do because it doesn't work with me. But I do know that um, that program of action in that book, um, I get to see self-reliance. You know? And I, I, maybe the reason I'm talking even is, is I was incredibly pained up with God and I'm not today. Um, you know, I just, I was around family and I've had clergy as family and all that jazz. Uh, um, and I love this fellowship, but it did take me five years to do the God, please help prayer. Um, I've also done inventories where I didn't see my part. This is all leading into the 11th step for a long time. Just my mind was grinding. And so I fed, I fed, you know, the nightly review and I look back at it and I did years and years and years, but you know, I had to do that to, to do what I did now, and I love the peace that I hear. Um, and, you know, I, I find what works, but it's part of, I guess the only other thing is I've discovered, as it's been pointed out, that, you know, I'm an alcoholic, so whatever, I try to get blissed out on it sometimes, you know. So I did love hearing about it, not just it being difficult, but, you know, the dark night of the soul. You know, those come too, but, but it's kind of God's show. And, and it absolutely, from my experience, meditation and prayer is phenomenal because I am doing what's outlined. And then I come to see that I'm doing what's outlined. And I've never, like, the army threw me out. Like, I just, I don't, and, that, and I get to appreciate that, you know? And by this point, I've hopefully stopped fighting anything or anyone, you know? And I, and I get to live and then see that, that the problem was always inside me. 
and I get those glimpses where it doesn't have to be that way anymore. You know, and we'll see where it keeps on going. But um, thanks for having me share. Thank you. We have about a minute or two if somebody wants to share. My name is Mike. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sitting here listening to this and, and just felt that I had to uh, to make a statement. If you're new, you're nearly new. You know, sometimes we look on this prayer and meditation. And I know I did. I, you know, I didn't get it. I was 54 years old, and I'm and I'm going. I, I've been praying 45 years, and I don't know what I'm doing and where am I going to go? And who wants to meditate? You know, as an old hippie, we would sit around and get loaded and drunk and and pretend we're meditating. And and the reality was my sponsor finally got me there because I was resisting it and resisting it. And he brought up the Emmett Fox quote, which has now been embedded in me and that I pass on. And that is, trying to pray is praying. And conversely, trying to meditate is meditating. There's no right way and there's no wrong way. And as soon as I stop trying to judge my prayer and meditation, I'm in conscious contact with God. If I want to judge whether I'm doing right or wrong, that I'm playing God. And, and neither that doesn't work. And it's a real simple process for me. And I go out and I try lots of different things and I do lots of stuff and it's great. But the thing that got me started in AA and that keeps me going is all I know is God's out there and he just wants me to acknowledge that I'm trying to do something. And so trying to pray praying. Thank you. I'd like to thank the panelists, all who shared, and all of you for attending. Thank you. By group conscience, the Fellowship of the Spirit Conference does not close each meeting with the Lord's Prayer. Instead, we encourage that the entire conference be treated with an attitude of continuous prayer. And we will then say the Lord's Prayer together at the close of the conference on Sunday. Please help me close this meeting by joining hands for a moment of silence. Let us share our experience, strength in, with each other so we may grow together in greater understanding and love. Thank you.